This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the number one daily fantasy sports app. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 592. Welcome in. Uh, today we're going to talk all about the Sunday that was NFL week four. Uh, it was a weird week. There was a ton of blowouts and uh, really only three good football games. So uh, I, I want to just start right off the bat by saying I apologize if you're a fan of Philly or Washington. That is the first thing I'm doing tomorrow, Monday morning. I'm recording this. Remember, Sunday night uh, after watching all the football games. I'm one human being. I watch more football, I think, than people could even possibly imagine. And uh, I did not get to the Philly-Washington game yet. I want to acknowledge it. It was a close game. It went to overtime. It was awesome. Uh, I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to be covering that on the Tuesday episode. Uh, also, I'm noticing... My hair is still wet from the shower. Usually I shower like, I don't know, four hours before recording, so I have time for this massive amount of hair to dry. I just got out of the shower. It's Sunday night, right after Sunday night football. Here we are, uh, and the wet hair is making this room feel incredibly humid and sweaty. I'm doing my best. Let's jump in and talk about Sunday night football. On Sunday night football, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Jets 23-20. to and, uh, man, it was a great game. Patrick Mahomes, I knew that Patrick Mahomes against the Jets defense was going to be a really fun, great matchup that was going to make for great television. The thing I did not expect about this game was Zach Wilson, the Jets quarterback, stepping up and having a great game and really challenging Kansas City. And, in fact, almost beating Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. In fact, you could even argue that Zach Wilson actually had better numbers than Patrick Mahomes. He had fewer turnovers, a better completion percentage, threw for more yards, more touchdowns. Zach Wilson was 28 for 39, threw for 245 yards, two touchdowns. He did have a late fumble that was costly and uh, not great. And while the Jets lost, the Jets are now 1-3. and three. They did not win. It was painful. I mean, I think the whole year has been incredibly painful if you're a Jets fan. And frankly, you're probably used to it. But there was a silver lining with this football game. I thought we saw a big improvement from Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson had a fantastic game that he can build off of and hopefully will lead to even more good play throughout the rest of the year. He made a lot of great throws, back shoulder balls. He had a seam down the, the uh, he had a back shoulder ball to his tight end, Tyler Conklin, down the seam. I was like, ooh, he's cooking, man. He was throwing really great balls against man coverage. I liked watching Zach Wilson play fairly well. It was like, oh man, I've been waiting for this for a long, long time. He used his legs to get away from pressure, escape sacks, and extend plays. I thought all in all, um, Sunday night football for Zach Wilson was a, a game that showed some progress and him getting better. And I know Jets fans are very unhappy with how their year is going. Hopefully though, Zach Wilson can build off of what we saw against Kansas City. Now, the Jets had, oh man, some missed opportunities in this football game. They had a play that was nearly a touchdown to Tyler Conklin where Zach Wilson stepping up in the pocket, avoiding pressure, escaping left, kind of getting pulled to the ground. He throws the ball. It's low. Tyler Conklin had it in his hands. He dropped it. He couldn't hang on for a touchdown. Ball was kind of low. It was a tough catch. All in all, that could have been a touchdown. It wasn't. Instead, the Jets had to settle for a field goal. That's the difference in the football game right there. But that was not the only moment that felt like a missed opportunity for the Jets. Later, Zach Wilson missed Garrett Wilson down the right sideline, was wide open, should have been an easy touchdown. Uh, I can live with that, not because it's a good play. In fact, it was a horrible play, and that's got to be a touchdown as the year goes on every week. But later on the drive, the Jets still did get a touchdown anyway. So even though that was a bad miss to Garrett Wilson, he did later throw a touchdown at CJ Uzama. Um, so again, missing Garrett Wilson didn't end up costing the Jets seven points. It just took a little more time off the clock for them to get a touchdown on that drive. Unfortunately, though, the Jets came up short in the fourth quarter. They had, I think, on offense and defense opportunities to win this football game. And unfortunately, after having a really outstanding game, Zach Wilson had a costly fumble in the fourth quarter. He fumbled a shotgun snap. Snap was a little low. He still got to handle it. He got to catch it. He dropped it. Casey recovered it. And, uh... You know, the Jets were down three points in the fourth quarter. 
Kansas City got the ball with seven minutes and 24 seconds left, and they did not give the ball back. On the final drive, Patrick Mahomes made a bunch of incredible plays, and frankly, the Jets had multiple opportunities to stop Patrick Mahomes on third down, but they could not. There was a third and 22 that will be stuck in my mind for a long time, whereas you know, Patrick Mahomes finds a way to escape pressure, break contain, ran up the middle for 25 yards, and you're helpless. I can't even imagine Robert Sala helplessly watching from the sideline as Patrick Mahomes runs for 25 yards and a first down. In a moment where you get Kansas City in third and 22, you got to stop him. The game's on the line. You're down three points. You want to get the ball back. Later on third and 22, uh, they actually picked off Patrick Mahomes, but uh, they got penalized. Sauce Gardner got called for defensive holding. I didn't love that call. You watch the replay. I, there's some contact. I, you know, I'm sure Kansas City fans will argue. To me, it's it's tic tacky. It's a tough moment. The ball was really well wide of the receiver anyway. Like the ball wasn't really catchable by the receiver. And uh, I thought that the receiver chose to go inside. The ball was thrown outside, wider towards the sideline. I don't know. I didn't like that call, but either way. Uh, it was a missed opportunity where you get Kansas City at third and 22, you got to stop them. And then later, there was another chance where the Jets had Kansas City in third and eight. Third and eight uh, in the red zone, but would have been an opportunity to hold Kansas City to a field goal and then maybe get the ball back down six. And they couldn't stop them once again. Patrick Mahomes ran for a first down, slid perfectly down at like the two yard line. So he didn't score a touchdown. It ends the game. They can just kneel. Um, it was, I would imagine if you're a Jets fan, very frustrating watching your team have so many opportunities and just come up short all, you know, regularly, over and over again. You're like, oh man, that final drive, I'm sure was killer if you're a Jets fan. Now, Patrick Mahomes threw two interceptions in this football game. And uh, the Jets defense also dropped another one. I believe it was C.J. Mosley who dropped one. Um, you know, there was a play where Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes were not on the same page. Kelsey went outside, ball went inside, it was right in the Jets' hands. They dropped it. That could have been an interception, would have been a game-changing play. The point is, regardless of how you feel about this game, you have to acknowledge the Jets' defense missed far too many opportunities. They had a lot of chances to stop Kansas City to make them pay, get off the field on third down, get an interception, plays like that where... You know, you can't beat Patrick Mahomes and miss a, lot, miss a lot of opportunities. They did, unfortunately. And Patrick Mahomes remains a guy who, he's not very fast. I mean, he really does kind of like waddle downfield. I think part of why he, he's so quick, he's, just, he's a big guy who, those big legs just take big strides and he's goofy to watch run, but he is dangerous because he breaks contain and he ran for like 50-something yards in this football game, a lot of first downs and key moments. Mahomes will burn you, man. He's so good with his legs. And uh, all in all, this game was really fun. It was dramatic. I had a great time. It was amazing television. Now, honestly, going into Sunday Night Football, Kansas City at the Jets, I was like, look, I don't expect the Jets to win this football game. All I'm hoping for is a lot of great plays from Patrick Mahomes. We got that. But what we got that I didn't expect was actually also a lot of really good plays from the Jets, and they challenged Kansas City. They challenged Patrick Mahomes. I did not see that coming. That was awesome. And uh, Zach Wilson, the Jets quarterback, the young guy, he had his best game um, all year. And, you know, I, I always kind of feel bad for Zach Wilson. He was really thrown to the fire early on in a tough market, by the way. New York is uh, an amazing sports city, but they're really passionate. There's a lot of pressure there. And Zach Wilson never got the opportunity to sit behind a veteran quarterback and learn for a while. So I, I'm really curious if Zach Wilson can continue to grow. Remember, he's in a new offense. This system, the Nathaniel Hackett system, it's a new offensive coordinator in New York. So I just want to remind you, I think Zach Wilson is doing good stuff. He's headed in a good direction, and uh, it's a new offense for him. So it's very possible this is a moment where Zach Wilson can take this game and build off it as the year goes on. And I, I really want to see Zach Wilson do well. I also want to see Nathaniel Hackett do well, their offensive coordinator. A lot of people thought Nathaniel Hackett was basically useless without Aaron Rodgers. And uh, one thing's undeniable, since Aaron Rodgers got hurt, the Jets have not wavered in their support of Zach Wilson. They regularly say, we believe in Zach, he's our quarterback, we're going to stick behind him. 
I would love it if Zach Wilson could reward the confidence and the belief the Jets have put in him. And with Zach Wilson, so much of him doing well is related to his confidence, how comfortable he is in the offense. And what we saw on Sunday was a comfortable Zach Wilson who knew where he was going with the football. He knew where to throw. He felt really good about his arm. He had moments where like man-to-man coverage, he doesn't hesitate. He pulled the trigger on some really tough throws. I love to see that. And um, I just think Zach Wilson, this is the best game he's played in quite a while. I know they lost. He had an unfortunate play at the end. I actually liked after the game, I saw a clip of Zach Wilson taking accountability saying, that's a critical moment. I can't have a fumble there. That's a costly play. He really owned it. I, I just think Zach Wilson's trending up in the right direction, getting better, doing good stuff. And I don't know how you can, I mean, I know how you can hate Zach Wilson if you want to. I think he's working hard. He's making progress. Um, I mean, who do, what do I know? For, for all I know, next week he's going to come out and play horrible, right? It seems so fickle. Zach Wilson really does seem like he kind of blows with the wind. At one moment he's confident, one moment he's frustrated. But I'm crossing my fingers and really hoping that Zach Wilson can use this game and play better in the future because of it. Now, Kansas City is 3-1 and one after this football game. They got a good win here. Taylor Swift was there in New York to watch them win. Kind of fun. Um... I had to mention it. I had to mention Taylor Swift. You can't you can't talk about Kansas City anymore without mentioning, ooh, did you know Taylor Swift is like a fan of them now? She's dating one of their players. Um, but uh, to me, like the, the takeaway from Kansas City is just that, and I, I want to make a video about this this week. Um, Patrick Mahomes' ability to make plays outside of the pocket and really just make defenses wrong no matter what they do. Like you can do the exact right thing as a defense you can be perfect and he'll still beat you and make you look ridiculous I just feel bad for defenses that have to play against Patrick Mahomes he's incredible and uh what a good game I just really had a good time 23 to 20 Kansas City wins I walked away happy I was concerned going into Sunday Night Football I really didn't think it was going to be a great game um but it was and uh that is fantastic now we got to pay the bills it's time to read an ad but I want to, before we do that, read a question or a submission from Patreon. Donovan wrote in on Patreon. Donovan said, Hey, Ozako, when it's time for an ad read, you keep saying it's time to pay the bills. How come you only pay Buffalo and not the other teams like the Lions, the Niners, the Bengals, or the Eagles? Sorry for the dumb wordplay. Just wanted to provide a silly question, and I hope you're having an awesome day. I had a great day. I watched football all day. It was awesome. Donovan, you're right. I always say we got to pay the bills. Why are we always paying Buffalo? Why don't we pay? Who do we want to pay today? I think we could make this into um, kind of a fun play on words, have a lot of uh, fun with it as the year goes on. I, I worry, though, if I always say I'm going to take a short break, we got to pay the Dolphins, for example, in like a month from now. If I don't explain it every time, there's going to be a new listener who's like, what's happening? Why is he paying the Arizona Cardinals? I have no idea. But for the time being, I guess we got to take a break. We got to pay the Chicago Bears. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Prize Picks allows you to make an entry based on player projections, and in 60 seconds, you could enter something like Travis Kelsey more than five catches, Tyreek Hill more than 100 yards receiving, and Justin Fields less than 200 yards passing. And if your picks are right, you can win money. Making picks makes games more engaging, and you could turn something like $5 into 50. Prize Picks offers quick and easy deposits. You can even use Apple Pay. And they have weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. For example, there's a weekly event called Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So put your skills to the test in daily fantasy. Go to prizepicks.com slash CLNS and use code CLNS. S for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash CLNS, code CLNS, for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy made easy. All right, we are back. We're doing very well. Um, I, I was feeling like the it's really loud in my headphones today, more than normal when I record a podcast. And I was trying to figure out what's going on. I did the math and I realized... Usually there's a layer of hair between the headphones and my ears. Like th there are these massive headphones that cuff around my ear 
today I did the work of like, you know, pulling the massive amount of hair out of the way and really sliding the headphones over my ears. And uh, I'm like, why is it so loud? It's like, hey, because there's no like giant layer of hair blocking your ears from the headphones. I know that's so dumb, but that's really uh, things I think about. I want to read a poem. I know it's a ridiculous thing to do, but it's going to be really fun, I promise. Here's a poem. Uh, I want to read a poem I saw or heard today. There is a team named Bear. A win for them is rare. They just can't play, so I'll have to say they won't go anywhere. <laughs> uh, my roommate is from Chicago. She's a Bears fan. Her dad sent her that today. And I'd like to imagine her old dad, who's, um, you know, quite a few generations uh, beyond me, I'd like to imagine he sat at home watching the horrible Bears game today and he wrote that poem. I don't know if he got it from somewhere, but I'm going to tell myself that he wrote that himself, her old dad. That's an amazing, amazing thought. Um, the Chicago Bears just lost to the Denver Broncos 31-28. to And unfortunately, Chicago led in this—I mean, unfortunately— I don't know if it's actually unfortunate, but it was a, a painful way to lose because Chicago led 28-7 to in the second half and still found a way to lose this football game. Denver came back and won. Chicago is now 0-4. And it's a tough loss to swallow because Bears quarterback Justin Fields had his best game of the entire year. Justin against Denver on Sunday was 28 for 35, passing at 335 yards, Four touchdown passes. He made a ton of plays with his legs, running around. There's a third and goal play in the third quarter where kind of a broken play. He makes a man miss. He avoids a sack through a touchdown pass. You're like, oh, that's Justin Fields at his finest. Frankly, what we saw, I know that, let me just say real quick. The Bears lost to Denver. It was horrible. It was painful. The one good news is what we saw on Sunday between Chicago and Denver was the Bears team I've been expecting to see all year, which is I thought they were going to lose a lot of games this year, but at least be fun and entertaining. Say what you want about the Bears. I know Bears fans are miserable right now, but did you not have fun? At least Justin Fields did well. Things were entertaining. Things were going fairly well. They almost won. Say what you want. This was at least the best Bears game I've seen all year. Now, unfortunately, it came against the horrible Denver Broncos. This was actually the toilet bowl between two teams that were winless going in. Um, but Justin Fields was awesome. There was a third and 10 late in the game where he scrambled around, extended the play, ran for a first down. It's so obvious when you watch Justin Fields how much potential he has. He can run, he can throw. It's a it's a promising young quarterback who needs to be led in the right direction, but clearly he's capable of so much. And I believe in Justin Fields. I know that I feel like increasingly there are fewer and fewer people who feel that way, but the good stuff Justin Fields does is just simply rare and uncoachable. And the good is so good, it makes me want to handle the bad and coach him up and work with him. If I was coaching Justin Fields, I'd be like, look, there's a lot to work with here. We just got to do a better job as coaches. And Unfortunately, um, for all the good things Justin Fields did against Denver on Sunday, he did have two fourth quarter turnovers. He had a fumble that Denver picked up and ran for a game-tying touchdown, making it 28-28. Uh, then later in the game, as the Bears were trying to come back and they were down 31-28, to trying to put together a field goal drive or a touchdown drive with 32 seconds left, he threw an interception on third and 13. Uh, so they lost 31-28. But the Bears are so frustrating to watch because, I mean, they had a fourth and one with two minutes and 57 seconds left on the 18-yard line going in. So they're in field goal range. They're in the red zone. And on fourth and one, tie game 28-28. Instead of kicking an easy field goal to make it a three-point lead, 31-28, they went for it on fourth and one. They ran up the middle. They got stuffed. Didn't get the first down. Denver would then take the ball and drive down the field for a field goal, the game-winning field goal, and win by three. And if you're a Bears fan, I mean, my goodness, that has to be painful, where you had a shot in the red zone, you didn't kick the field goal, you had an opportunity to at least take a three-point lead, which would have been the game-tying field goal, would have been 31-31, gone to overtime at minimum. And instead, you went for it on fourth and one. I'm not really sure why. Now the Bears are 0-4. And uh, it's a, like I said, the Bears are just really, really frustrating to watch. They're clearly, I think, poorly run. And uh, I, I really think Justin Fields does so much good that you can work with that it's really infuriating. They can't find a way to channel all that 
good stuff he can do into winning football games. But, um, yeah, I told my roommate that I said, hey, at the minimum, I know you're 0-4. It was a horrible loss today. You're up 28-7. I told her, hey, the good news is if the NFL draft was today because they traded down with Carolina last year, they've got Carolina's first overall pick or first round pick, and the Bears have their own first round pick right now, if the draft was today, the Bears would have the number one and number two overall pick in the NFL draft. You know what she said back? She said, can they trade their draft picks to get good coaches? <laughs> it made me laugh, man. I was like, really? Wow, that's that's what a Bears fan feels like right now. Um, I'm so sorry, Bears fans. It's painful. It's sad. Uh, to me, week four, what we really saw, the big takeaway from this, this week, uh, this Sunday, was that There were two quarterbacks that took a really big step forward. They both lost, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, but both of them made progress and had their best game of the year so far. And if Justin Fields and Zach Wilson can take what they did this Sunday, week four, and do a little bit better every week and keep building and keep stacking good performances, they're going to be just fine. They They will be franchise quarterbacks. They will be awesome. The thing is, Justin Fields and Zach Wilson have to keep getting better. They cannot take a step backward. And uh, I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping. I like both quarterbacks. I'm rooting for both of them. I think both of them have a lot of potential and a lot of talent. But I want to see them grow and build off of what they did this Sunday. And uh, hopefully that happens. Now, for Denver, we got to talk about the Broncos a little bit. Um, I just want to you know, kind of give a tip of the cap to Denver. This is a great win for them. They're 1-3. I know that's not great. The season is still probably over. But winning this game is a really nice moment. You know, last week they gave up 70 points. They lost horribly. This week, Denver was down 28-7, to but they fought back. They won. And uh, Russell Wilson, their quarterback, had three touchdowns, zero turnovers. They won the toilet bowl. And, uh, you know, I think if you're a Denver Broncos fan, um, the victories are rare. They're, I mean, even this one, it's still ugly and weird and bad. But regardless, if you're a Denver Broncos fan, I hope you're happy today. Uh, I know being down 28 to 7 to the Chicago Bears cannot be a good thing that makes you feel great about the rest of your season. I don't think it should. But at least you won. By the way, if you're a Bears fan, I would have to feel really, really frustrated with our defense. Like, you know, if you're a Bears fan, you're, I meant your meaning, like our meaning yours. If you're a Bears fan, Matt Eberflus, your head coach, is a defensive head coach. And the moves they made this offseason were. They brought in the big free agency moves the Bears made where they brought in two linebackers to make their defense better. Their defense doesn't look very good in Chicago. And uh, it's tough when you got a head coach whose calling card is defense and her defense is garbage. All right. uh, I want to acknowledge one more time the Washington Philly game. Philly beat Washington 34 to 31. It was really impressive. Philly won in overtime. What I found impressive was that the Washington Commanders forced this game into overtime. They hung around against a really good Philadelphia Eagles team. I thought that after losing 37-3 last week, Washington responded really well. Um, I'm one man. I can't watch every game on Sunday, but I I saw the final score. I'm going to watch that game tomorrow, first thing, when I wake up uh, tomorrow, Monday morning. And uh, I really want to watch it and break it down because it was one of the rare games during NFL Week 4 that was actually fantastic. So expect that later in the week. Basically, every other game was a blowout this weekend. It was wild. I, I, you know, I guess um, Minnesota beat Carolina 21-13. Uh, the Raiders lost to the Chargers 24-17. Those games were close, but every other game was like a monumental blowout. Uh, for example, the Ravens beat Cleveland 28-3, and I was really hoping for a fun game between Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. Two quarterbacks that both have questions they need to answer, Two offenses I want to see play well, and uh, we did not get that. Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson did not play because of a shoulder injury. Next week, the Browns have a bye week. So, um, you know, unfortunately, um, I, I guess, fortunately or not, I was, I guess my brain went to my fantasy team. I'm realizing I made a massive mistake, but we'll talk about it later. That's for Wednesday. My, my brain got carried somewhere else. Um because of a shoulder injury, he did not play. Deshaun Watson did not play. Next week, the Browns have a bye week. So um, he's going to have time to, to, you know, get better and heal. But Cleveland backup quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson played instead of Deshaun Watson. I was hopeful because 
Dorian Thompson Robinson looked really, really fun and promising during the preseason. And uh, he had a rough day. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson threw three interceptions. It was not good. Uh, and uh, again, Cleveland lost 28 to three. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens quarterback, he held up his end of the bargain. Deshaun Watson didn't play in the game that I wanted to be a shootout, but Lamar Jackson did. He had four touchdowns, 28 points. All of them were Deshaun Wa- were, were Lamar Jackson, excuse me. Lamar threw uh, two touchdowns. He ran for two, four total touchdowns. Lamar had four touchdowns and also only four incomplete passes during the entire game. That's awesome. You love to see that. Oh, by the way, he didn't have Rashad Bateman or Odell Beckham Jr. playing and still did well. So I thought when you consider the circumstance around this game, you're against you're playing against a really good defense, Cleveland. Uh, Rashad Bateman and Odell are not playing for your offense. Two of your top receivers aren't playing. And to still have a great game, four incomplete passes, four total touchdowns. Lamar was incredible. And right now the Ravens are three and one and first in the AFC North. Tampa beat New Orleans 26 to 9. And when you hear that, you probably remember me covering last week that Derek Carr hurt a shoulder. Uh I was expecting Derek Carr not to play. You probably hear, oh, they lost 26 to 9. Jameis Winston must have been the starting quarterback for New Orleans against his former team, Tampa, and didn't play great. That's what happened, right? Right? Derek Carr didn't play. That's why the Saints lost 26 to 9. Wrong. Unfortunately, uh, Derek Carr did play. It just didn't matter. Uh, He didn't have a great day. Tampa's defense looked fantastic. And uh, Tampa Bay quarterback Baker Mayfield did have a great day. He was 25 for 32 passing at uh, 246 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. I love Baker's mechanics. I I think the way that he, I I saw him make a couple throws along the perimeter in this football game where I'm like, man, the way he generates velocity with his frame, uh, given that he's kind of a smaller guy, I I just love watching Baker. He's fun. He does good stuff. Tampa's now three and one. Tampa is first in the NFC South. Beating New Orleans 26 to nine, I would call, uh, I would say that's the most convincing and impressive win for Tampa all year. Uh, In the first two games, Tampa beat Minnesota and Chicago, and those two teams right now are combined one and seven. So, uh, you know, they beat Minnesota, Chicago week two. They lost to Philly week three. Here in week four, Tampa had a really convincing, impressive win over New Orleans. I'm really curious if Tampa can keep it going. I love Baker. I love rooting for him. I would enjoy watching Baker Mayfield make a playoff run and do some good stuff with Tampa, maybe win the division with his new team. That would be awesome. Um, I'm rooting for Baker, and it it's a long season ahead, right? I don't want to get too, too far ahead of things. Uh, again, beating Minnesota and Chicago, you're like, ah, how impressive really is that? But the Tampa is 3-1, and one, and if things continue this way, it looks like Baker found a home. He's doing great. But I, I think it's still too early to get comfortable and celebrate if you're a Tampa fan and rooting for Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers. Now, this was a really, really bad game for the Saints. In fact, they were getting booed by their home crowd in New Orleans. I'm a bit concerned about New Orleans. They've got a good defense, which so far they've been a defensive-led team all year. But uh, the Saints have not scored more than 17 points in a game all year. We're four games into the year. We're still waiting for an offensive explosion. They got Alvin Kamara back. Derek Carr did play. Uh, I know he's got a, a banged-up shoulder. Against Tampa, and again, I, I want to be very clear, he's not at 100% with his shoulder. That's that's not great. But he had 79 yards passing going into the fourth quarter. Uh, then he lost a fumble in the fourth quarter. On the day, Derek Carr was 23 for 37 passing, 127 yards, had a fumble. Derek Carr got a massive four-year, $150 million contract in New Orleans. He's got $100 million fully guaranteed. I guess it wouldn't be fully guaranteed. It would just be $100 million guaranteed. The full contract is $150. You get what I'm saying, though. Derek Carr is getting paid a ton of money. The offense can't score more than 17 points. You're 2-2. Two and two. You're not playing great. Now he's banged up. Here's what I'm going to say. The Raiders didn't want Derek Carr. And uh, I would be concerned if I'm a Saints fan that maybe Derek Carr simply isn't able to be what they need. It's very early. We're four games in. He's running a new offense with new players on a new system on a new team. But I think if you're a Saints fan right now, booing your team at home, you're 2-2, you lost a big game in your division, 
Your quarterback isn't playing great. I think it's totally reasonable if a Saints fan right now is concerned that Derek Carr may not be what they need him to be in New Orleans. The Bengals lost to Tennessee 27-3 to uh, during NFL Week 4. It was rough. The Bengals were 2-for-9 on third down. And for the second time this year, Cincinnati scored only three points on offense. That is not good enough. Cincinnati's 1-3. and three. That's a horrible start. It's going to be really hard to recover from 1-3, and three, to be totally honest. you got Cleveland in your division. You've got Baltimore in your division. The year isn't totally over. I guess you could win a bunch of games in a row and go on a run. But uh, in the AFC, it's incredibly competitive. And uh, the Bengals are off to a horrible, horrible start to their year. A lot of people want to fire Bengals head coach Zach Taylor. I'm more patient. I don't, I'm not in a hurry to fire him. He went to back-to-back AFC titles. He went to a Super Bowl. I, I'm really curious who Cincinnati thinks they can hire who could do that. Uh, you know, I, I just don't think there's a lot of really good coaches walking around. And Zach Taylor may not be the best coach you could hire. That's I, probably true. But my fear in firing Zach Taylor is that you can't find someone better to replace him. If you have someone in mind, let me know. Uh, but I don't want to fire Zach Taylor without a plan to replace him. I just wouldn't be in a hurry to make a change in Cincinnati. I also love Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator. Maybe the hire a new offensive coordinator, elevate him. I'm not really sure, but Lou Anarumo should not be on the chopping block. He's a great defensive coordinator who does a lot of good stuff, and I'm just not in a hurry to shake things up and make a monumental change coaching-wise in Cincinnati just yet. They're 1-3. It's been a bad start to the year, but take a deep breath. It's okay. Let's see where they're at in a couple weeks before we just hit the panic button and freak out and call for Zach Taylor's job. Now, for Tennessee, this is where Zach Taylor looks really bad. Mike Vrabel, the head coach of Tennessee, I thought outclassed Zach Taylor at every point. I watch this football game. I'm like, it's better coaching. The players are more fired up. Uh, he's a better leader. Like, this is the moment where I, I understand the argument against Zach Taylor because Mike Vrabel looked fantastic. Maybe just make Mike Vrabel an offer. Say, hey, Mike Vrabel, you want to be a coach of a better team with a great quarterback in Cincinnati? Maybe they hire Mike Vrabel. That would be amazing. Can you poach him from another team? I don't even know if that's humanly possible or legally possible or allowed in the NFL, but certainly uh, maybe a trade for Mike Vrabel. That would be awesome. I mean, can I imagine that? Seriously, Mike Vrabel as a coach of Cincinnati would be really intriguing and fun. Mike Vrabel's never had a great quarterback and always puts together really competitive, compelling football teams. Now, Derek Carr ran for 122 yards on 22 carries. I've got a lot of respect for Mike Vrabel. His defense was awesome. I mean, they held Cincinnati to a field goal. They really, Cincinnati had a field goal on their opening drive and then nothing for the rest of the game. Uh, They held Joe Burrow to 165 yards passing, no touchdowns and a fumble. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And uh, right now, the AFC South is wild because the entire AFC South, Jacksonville, Houston, Indy, and Tennessee, they're all two and two. And I have no idea how things are going to shake out in the AFC South. The Buffalo Bills beat the Miami Dolphins 48-20, to and uh, this game, I watched it. It was so disappointing. I watched it live the entire game, hoping, praying, waiting for a really good game, and uh, it wasn't the wild shootout I wanted. I waited, and I waited, and I waited some more. It was really one-sided. Uh, Buffalo dominated. And it's not a shock to me, Miami. I, I even said this during the weekend preview Last week, I said, I'm worried Miami could come out kind of flat because after a 50-point win where you score 70 points, uh, after a big win like that, it's not uncommon for a team to come out and be a bit flat the next week. In fact, it does happen regularly where you have an amazing win, then the next week you start kind of slow. It's not quite the same. Uh, A couple things really hurt Miami. Number one, their left tackle, Teron Armstead, got hurt and left the game. Buffalo really exploited that matchup. They were getting a lot of pressure. Leonard Floyd had a great game for the Bills' defensive line. And then uh, every time corner Caden uh, Kohu 
was lined up against Buffalo Bills receiver Stephon Diggs. The Bills attacked it. It was a total mismatch. Caden Kehu, or Kohu, excuse me. Kehu. Caden Kohu um, could not hang with Stephon Diggs at all. Stephon Diggs, anytime they saw that matchup, Josh Allen attacked it and went right after that corner. Stephon Diggs had six catches for 120 yards and three touchdowns. That corner spot was supposed to be Jalen Ramsey, who got they traded for him in the offseason. Jalen Ramsey got hurt before the season even started when he tore his meniscus in his left knee. And so we're still kind of waiting to see if Jalen Ramsey could uh, come back maybe at the end of the year. But, it, you know, at some point we're just kind of crossing our fingers and hoping. And uh, definitely this is a game where the Miami Dolphins could have used their best corner, Jalen Ramsey, playing and healthy on Sunday. Bills quarterback Josh Allen had five touchdowns in this football game. He threw for four. He ran for one. Josh Allen had five touchdowns and four incomplete passes in this football game. He was 21 for 25 passing for 320 yards, zero turnovers on the day for Josh Allen. I would call Josh Allen incredible in this football game. He was fantastic. Uh, Tua, Miami's quarterback, was totally fine. He was 25 for 35 passing, 282 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He was under a lot of pressure. He was sacked four times. I just think, again, losing to Ron Armstead, having a corner who just could not, every time that he was guarding Stefan Diggs, it was a mismatch. These little matchups really hurt Miami in this football game. But it is disappointing after scoring 70 points to lose pretty bad to Buffalo. Um, but not a shock that the pendulum swings really hard the other direction for Miami this week. Uh, little note about this football game. I've been saying Devin... Devon A-Chain, uh, since he played at Texas A&M, this is the Miami Dolphins running back. Apparently, it's Devon A-Chan. He made it very clear after his big game last week that clarifying the pronunciation. I don't know why it took him so long, but do you do. Do whatever you want to do. Uh, we now know it's Devon A-Chan, not A-Chain. Like Jackie Chan, not like, uh, I don't know, Chain Gang or something. Um, Devon Achan had eight carries for 101 yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, another great week for him. I had a friend of mine who has him in fantasy football said he's a permanent starter. Now. Devin Achan, awesome job. Uh, I like seeing that. And what's interesting, remember, I talked about it before the year started. Miami said, we're going to pay our running backs nothing. We Instead of having uh, one running back we heavily invested and pay a lot of money to, we're going to have a bunch of running backs that we pay a, a very low cost amount and, um they're paying about $6 million for four total running backs. And right now, that strategy is working out very, very well for the Miami Dolphins and their running game. There was a great play, by the way, where Devin Achan had to play a jet sweep across. They had Tyreek Hill in the backfield lined up at running back. I think it really froze the defense and confused them. And they run a fly sweep at Devin Achan for a touchdown. They're like, that's an amazing play. What a way to use Tyreek Hill as a decoy, putting him in the backfield at running back. I love that. Um... Both Miami and Buffalo right now are three and one. It's hard to imagine New England or the Jets challenging either one of them. Right now, I think the division, the AFC East, is going to come down to Buffalo or Miami, and Buffalo takes round one in this matchup that, I mean, this could be a game, they're, they're going to play again later this year, but they could even play a third time in the playoffs. I would not be shocked if Buffalo and Miami both made the playoffs and uh, Buffalo gets round one. One more thing I want to say, it's a it's a tough thing we have to mention. In this game, uh, there was a tough moment. Bill's corner, Tredavious White, got carted off the field with an Achilles injury. Likely his season is over. It's just sad. And, uh, you know, Buffalo is trying to win a Super Bowl. They've been a team that's really close a couple years in a row. I've said regularly, I think Buffalo is going to be a team that's heading towards a direction where it's going to fall apart. They're not going to be able to keep everybody together. Players are getting older or want more money and are going to leave. And um, I think this is Buffalo's last year or two with a Super Bowl window to make a deep run and where they're going to be a Super Bowl favorite and a front runner. They'll always be in contention as long as they've got Josh Allen playing at a high level. But the group they have right now might have to be reloaded before they can make another Super Bowl run after this year. Losing Tredavious White is a problem. That's not great. That sucks. And uh, it's going to hurt their chances at a Super Bowl for sure, losing your best corner. Um, Houston, man. The Houston Texans absolutely dominated Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Steelers lost 30-6 to on Sunday. 
If you're a Steelers fan, I'm so sorry, man. It's been a rough year. You're two and two, four games into the year. Your offense looks horrible. And uh, in this game, Kenny Pickett was 15 for 23 passing, had only 114 yards, no touchdowns, had an interception. He got hurt and left near the end of the third quarter. Um, there were deep ball that got picked off. Kenny Pickett doesn't have the best arm. He also right now is not making good decisions. I'm struggling to figure out what Kenny Pickett does well. And that's awful because I thought he did really well last year. Kind of a promising rookie year where I thought he could build off it, be really good this year. I think you get rid of offensive coordinator Matt Canada before you find a way to replace Kenny Pickett. You invested heavily in Kenny Pickett. You drafted him in the first round. But I'm really concerned, man. Again, he doesn't look like a good decision maker. He's not accurate. He's got an average arm ability, like his arm strength. He's not a great athlete. He's okay. He's kind of like the Mario of quarterbacks. Like when you play Smash Bros or Mario Kart, Mario's always like the the guy who's very average at everything, but you put it all together. He doesn't have any weaknesses. He's just kind of average. That I thought was Kenny Pickett uh, physically, but now he's also making bad decisions. And um, man, he's inaccurate. It's a disaster what's going on in, in Pittsburgh right now with the quarterback spot. I think uh, I'm very comfortable blaming the offensive coordinator, but um, I, I do feel a lot of concern, and I wonder if they had a chance to draft a quarterback like Cam Ward um, in Pittsburgh, I think you pull the trigger on that. I mean, a quarterback like Bo Nix, Cam Ward, Michael Penix Jr. might be more capable than Kenny Pickett. I, I don't like that thought, but I think Pittsburgh doesn't look like they're going to have a great year. They're going to have probably a top, I don't know, 14, 15 pick minimum in the NFL draft if a really great quarterback is available, given what I've seen so far, it's worth at least having a conversation. Do we got to replace Kenny Pickett if you're Pittsburgh? Because he's been that bad. It, it's I know, again, you can blame the offensive coordinator, but Kenny Pickett just got outperformed by a rookie quarterback making his fourth ever start in the NFL. C.J. Stroud made Kenny Pickett look bad. Let's give praise to C.J. Stroud while we're at it, though. Uh, the number two overall pick for Houston Again, in his fourth ever NFL start, got his second win of his career. Uh, Houston's won two in a row. C.J. Stroud was 16 for 30, passing at 306 yards, two touchdowns. He looked way, way better than Kenny Pickett, which again, if you're a Steelers fan, that's got to be really, really painful and really concerning. But uh, either way, I'm really happy for Houston, man. Houston's got a new head coach, D'Amico Ryans, who has them at two and two, kind of a surprise. And uh, Houston right now, Looks well-coached for the first time in years. And uh, if you're a Houston Texans fan, I'm just really happy for you because that was awesome. Also, shout-out to Nico Collins, their receiver. He had seven catches for 168 yards and two touchdowns. Between Nico Collins and Tank Dell, they've got young receiving targets, having big games and doing good stuff. CJ Stroud looks awesome. If you're a Houston Texans fan, um, today's a good day to be a fan and feel good about your future in Houston. There's a miserable game that happened. I got to drink water first. My mouth getting dry. I've been talking a lot. Um, the Cowboys beat the Patriots 38-3. to I was really interested in this game to kind of see if, hey, maybe the Patriots offense can step up and challenge a good defense. Nope. Not at all. Uh, Patriots quarterback Mac Jones had not one, not two, but three turnovers. He had uh, two interceptions as and a fumble. The fumble got returned for a touchdown. One of his interceptions got returned for a touchdown. It was a pick six. Mac Jones only completed 12 passes in this football game. It's high school football level stuff. It's so bad. And uh, this game was a brutal beatdown. And if you're a Patriots fan, I think it's fair to be heavily, heavily skeptical of head coach Bill Belichick. He's not just their head coach, by the way. He's their general manager. He's the guy picking the players, and uh, their offense ain't cutting it. On top of that, another big brutal loss that happened in this football game was that Patriots linebacker Matthew Judon got hurt, tore a bicep. So it's just uh, the Patriots are 1-3. Their offense looked horrible. I know you're playing one of the, if not the best defense in football, and this game made me feel even more excited for Sunday Night Football next week between uh, the 49ers and Dallas. Game is in San Francisco Two great defenses, two interesting quarterbacks. That's going to be an amazing game. But, um, in fact, even without, um, you know, Bland stepped up the corner for 
Dallas. He stepped up, had a pick six in this football game. I thought they were screwed without Trevon Diggs. Um, their man, you know, their their number one amazing corner. He's out for the year. Still, somehow they're they're returning uh, interceptions for touchdowns. They're playing great coverage. Dallas's defense is unbelievable, and uh, the Patriots were unable to do anything to challenge the Cowboys at all on Sunday. We got two more things I want to talk about today. Number one is this. Um, one more bad game I have to acknowledge. Again, it was the weekend of blowouts. It was really insane how many games were just not close, not competitive, and uh, totally one-sided. The Jaguars beat Atlanta 23-7 to in London. The Jaguars uh, are playing back-to-back games in London, so they're hanging around uh, in Europe and going to play another game next week, I believe against Buffalo in London. The Jaguars led this game 17 to nothing at halftime. And here's the point of bringing this up. Normally, it's a blowout, doesn't matter, but Atlanta Falcons fans should feel really, really worried about their quarterback situation. They had three turnovers. Their, their quarterback did Desmond Ritter at three turnovers. He had two interceptions and a fumble. One of the interceptions was a pick six. Um, Desmond Ritter isn't good enough. Let's just say it. Certainly, maybe he can become good enough, but in four games into the year, Desmond Ritter looks really limited. They don't trust him. Uh, We knew that going in, but he's not even playing safe football, taking care of the ball. He's having turnovers and costing them games. Two games in a row now, Atlanta's asked Desmond Ritter to do more as a passer, and in both games, he's been unable to do that. In fact, he's looked really, really limited. So if I'm a Falcons fan right now, I am getting ready to move on from Desmond Ritter We'll see how the year goes. We're four games in. I always try to be fair, give everyone a long, extended shot. But, uh, look, if you're a Falcons fan right now, it looks like you got the wrong quarterback and are going to have to draft one uh, in 2024. There's a great question we'll read tomorrow on Patreon. I have it written down somewhere. I don't want to dig it up, but there there is a conversation that has to be had about their coaching staff, their head coach, Arthur Smith, their quarterback. Like, are they headed in the right direction? They've got a lot of good pieces in Atlanta, the quarterback is wrong, and I think um, given the system they run, I think you could even argue is the head coach wrong in Atlanta. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, it's not Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, this game, Jaguars and Falcons, was broadcast on Disney+. Plus. They did this um, the live from Andy's room. They made it look, it was animated in the style of Toy Story, and I am not the target audience for this content. Uh, A lot of people I've read really liked it, actually. I can't tell if that's genuine. I can't believe that. Um, Maybe kids liked it. Again, I I acknowledge I I am not the target audience. But when I watched the game on Nickelodeon, there was NFL games on Nickelodeon where players would get slimed and they scored a touchdown. It was fun. It made sense. I I understood what was going on. Um, I personally thought the game live from Andy's room, I watched about 30 minutes of it before I just couldn't. I wanted to pull my eyeballs out. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. But there was awkward glitching. Like, it didn't move smoothly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Players were, like, glitching around all everywhere. It frankly looked like it was animated by... It looked like a poorly animated PlayStation 2 game, if I'm totally honest. Like, I don't know. I don't get this at all. Uh, There was technical difficulties early on where, like, for the first half of the first quarter, they were just... It was an animated Booger McFarlane with whatever guy was doing play-by-play next to him, animated at a desk with the game behind them, literally, like, glitching around all over the screen. You're like, what? This is Disney's big thing? Like, you can't... You cannot have some big event, and then have it bomb at the beginning. I, you, you, you have to be ready. I, I, the technical difficulties irritated me. And I got to also say, this game would have been so hard to broadcast. Like, if I was Booger McFarlane, you got to feel like you've fallen a long way. He was once a broadcaster on Monday Night Football. Now he's broadcasting live from Andy's room. And it, I would really struggle to keep a straight face to... I just, I'm too maybe self-aware to, to do this, but, you know, they were talking about 
maybe Zerg is going to make an appearance at halftime. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then there was this dichotomy where it was very confusing because they were acting like this was a real game, but they were also talking about the other game happening in London. And so, like, I don't know how to properly word this, but my head hurts on trying to understand where is this real life? Are we acknowledging it's a performance because you're comparing the stadiums, Andy's room to London? I know I'm thinking way too deep about this, but I just was totally unimpressed. And uh, I might be alone in that. I keep reading. It was the highlight of week four. And I'm like, well, maybe that's because week four was absolutely garbage. There was like three close games in the entire week. Um, but I'd love to hear from you guys. Did you watch it? Look it up on YouTube if you haven't. Uh, I think I'm sure the highlights will hide a lot of the problems. I watched it like in length. I watched the actual broadcast. And what I saw, if you have Disney Plus, go watch it. It's replayable. It's replayable. You can go watch it. It was awkward and it looked at times like a fever dream and players are like stuttering around and it just reminded me of like a like a shovelware game you find on Nintendo Switch or something. I'm like, how is this the the great animation style that's going to bring kids into watching football? Maybe it did. And if you have kids and they watched it and they loved it, let me know. But for me personally, I know I'm not the target audience, but I had to, I guess, throw shade at it a little bit. I'm like, this is garbage. I can't, I can't believe like the Nickelodeon thing. Those, those games were awesome. This was not. Uh, and uh, I, I'm probably off base. Again, I keep reading articles saying, like, this is amazing. I loved it. And I'm like, okay. I don't know what you saw that you liked. But, again, I, I acknowledge I am not the target for the Andy's Room NFL broadcast. I'm, I'm a 26-year-old man who just wants to watch football, and I watch way too much. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Um, I'm already really excited for next episode. I've got a lot of stuff I want to talk about. I'm going to cut it here. Um, but uh, Tuesday's episode is going to be really, really good. We'll talk about Monday Night Football. We'll talk about Philly and Washington. Uh, I've got some interviews I want to break down. I've got a project or two I'm working on. It, because of actually having a bunch of blowouts this week, there's not a lot of games i got to watch tomorrow to catch up on. Um, so that means I'm free to have some fun and make really exciting, interesting um, compelling content about two topics that I am really interested in diving into. So I'm going to leave it there. I love you. I appreciate you. I'll see you. You're probably hearing this Monday morning. I'll see you again tomorrow on Tuesday. Hope you have a great day. I love you. Appreciate you. And uh, -dum -bum, bam, we are done. Oh man, we're so close. I want to be able to, I want to be able to put my hair back, but we're just not quite, it's not quite long enough. Like it doesn't quite do that.